I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to this special edition of the award-winning podcast, Transit Unplugged. Today, we continue our seven-part series on transit in the land down under Australia. Today, I meet with James Pinder, the chief executive officer of the V-Line, or Victoria Line, which is the commuter rail and commuter bus service run under contract with Public Transport Victoria. James has been in the transit industry for a long time and has a lot to tell us about how he runs this massive commuter rail system outside of Melbourne and for the state of Victoria. All that on this edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort, and this is a special edition of Transit Unplugged. I'm in uh, Melbourne, Australia, with James Pender, the CEO of V-Line. Uh, we've had a number of interviews with his colleagues, and we're excited to be here in his office. James, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Paul. Thank yeah. you very much. Why don't we start off by just telling us a little bit about the service you operate and how it fits into the whole, the triumvirate of services, so to speak, that are here in uh, this major Melbourne, which has some of the best, biggest and best transit in the world. So V-Line is the organization that I look after, and V-Line is widely regarded as, as Australia's largest regional rail operator. What a lot of people don't realise is that we also operate a lot of coach services. So we carry about 20 million train trips a year and we carry about a million other coach-type trips. We cover all of Victoria, the entire state of Victoria, to give people from the other side of the planet a, a rough idea. Victoria is... It's probably about the size of the United Kingdom. We operate a fleet of mainly diesel multiple units, but we do have some low-cohort services that operate right across the state. Joining up Melbourne with the five regional centres around Victoria, so around Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo, Seymour and Tarragon in the east. And from those locations, we also operate these regional coach services that, that connect other smaller communities right around the state. We're about 2,000 people. We are growing phenomenally fast. There's a, a huge investment program that's occurring right across the state of Victoria, predominantly focused around Melbourne, but not exclusively. There is a, a huge investment program in regional rail as well. In fact, the regional rail revival program actually upgrades part or some of all five of those lines that I've mentioned earlier on. It's a really exciting time for our industry. We are growing incredibly fast. I've been in this role now for just over two years. And in that time, V-Line has grown from an organisation that had just over 1,500 people to just over 2,000 people, to give you an idea. Mm -hmm. And you directly operate the service, right? We perform two roles. We are the operator of V-Line training coach services. So we are the accredited operator. We are also the accredited infrastructure maintainer. So we maintain the infrastructure that our train services operate on, with the exception of where we share tracks with Metro Trains, who are the other big train operator in town. So we do share some of their infrastructure, but where we operate exclusively on, on our own infrastructure, we maintain that infrastructure as well, as well right across the state. 
So when you say train and coaches, by coaches you mean buses? Well, <laughs> people sure. like to call them coaches because I think the, the main difference is, is around comfort. So typically oh, a, like coach, a, motor coach. a coach will have yeah. a, a toilet on it and it'll right. be a little bit more comfortable. A uh, bus yeah. is something that you would yes. catch in the city. We call that uh, commuter buses. Yeah, in America, where it's, it's just, just, coaches, just yeah. a terminology thing. So how many of them do you have? So you, our coaches would be similar to the greyhound style yes, coaches exactly. that you'd right, see yeah. in the US. Well, as I say, we carry about a million passenger trips. We don't actually own any of the coaches that okay. we operate. We subcontract those to coach operators right across the state. But we do operate our own rolling stock train. Yes, okay. So that there is a little bit of a demarcation there. Yes. And for daily passenger counts, like on the on the commuter buses, the coaches, do you know what your daily pad on a weekday would be an average? I could tell you those numbers. I don't know have them to hand. Uh, I just fine, know yeah. that if you aggregate them over right. a year, we carry about a million people on our coach services that's great. every year. And you're bringing people into the cities for jobs, that's the idea? Well, this is another thing about V-Line. V-Line is changing. It's, it's transforming right before our eyes. So traditionally, V-Line was very much a regional railway service that used to provide people with access to, to the city for medical appointments, maybe to come to university. And conversely, going in the opposite direction, it would be a, a railway service that someone might go to visit an auntie who lives in Warrnambool once a couple of times a year or whatever it was. We still provide that service for a whole lot of Victorians, but we are fast becoming a peri-urban style, commuter style railway between those five hubs that okay. I spoke about earlier yes. on. So historically, a little um, brief bit of history, about five years ago now, the regional rail project, fast rail project was completed. It was essentially we created three of our five lines became dedicated regional train lines between Geelong, Bendigo and Ballarat, which are our three biggest cities in Victoria, if you take, if you exclude Melbourne. And those are our dedicated lines. Now, once that project was completed, we saw a huge increase, something like year on year, 10%, 10%, 10% increase in our patronage. So places now that didn't exist previously in terms of conurbations, places like Tarni, for example, or Geelong Line, which is a, a, almost a brand new suburb, 10 years ago it wasn't there, um, these suburbs, we've built train stations at them and they are now becoming some of our f- busiest train stations. So Tarni, which is just over three years old now, is already V-Line's second busiest train station behind Southern Cross, which is the main hub. Oh, I've been there. That's and, amazing. And, and the success of it is phenomenal. Yeah. Entire urban sprawl conurbation, they're growing around these stations as they've been built. So V-Line is changing and, of course, as the need or the specification for the railway changes, then we have to change too. So we're very busy modernising our operational control systems, the way that we manage our operation, rostering systems, all of those sorts of things that historically have been done in a very, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but a traditional way. Yes. Those kind of systems are no longer capable of, of... of managing this huge operation that we are becoming. So whilst we're modernising our services, we're also trying to modernise our back office and our operational systems so that we we can cope with the the demand and the the growth in particular. So as I said earlier on, it's an exciting time to be be looking uh, 
looking after V-Line right now. Yeah. So how did you end up in this role? I've worked in the railway industry my whole life. I actually started as a as a, an engineering apprentice back in the day in British Rail, okay. um, 1984. So that's 30-something years, too many years. And I spent most of my career working in, in railways in the UK, Predominantly went through the whole privatisation cycle there. Oh, yeah. Just over six years ago, I came to Melbourne for the first time. I actually worked at Metro, a rolling stock engineer by trade. I used to look after the rolling stock at Metro. I did that for three years. Uh, I went away from from Metro. I went back to the UK for a year, got married, uh, and then was offered the opportunity to come and run V-Line, and I've been here ever since for the last couple of years. Nice. Yeah. And... um what would you say is the biggest challenge for you being the CEO of this fast-growing commuter rail system here? When I think about the context of what it is we're trying to achieve, V-Line has a really strong brand in Victoria. Is that right? So, okay, so yeah. for all the reasons that I've described earlier on, you know, the fact that we connect regional Victoria, a lot of people have relied on V-Line historically. I mean, our, our staff, they work out in those communities quite often. There'll be one person that works for V-Line in a in a place like Bacchus Marsh, for example. He's not only a V-Line employee on the day when he's at work, he's a V-Line employee in that community all of the time, 24-7. So we do have a a real strength of brand um, predominantly associated with our long history, and we are changing. So the challenge for us is is to modernise this organisation and manage the transition in some cases where we're operating these high-density, high-frequency commuter-style services, but maintain that strength of brand. So we don't want to lose what it is to be V-Line as we go through this transformation. In terms of tackling the role, for me, railways are fairly simple organisations. We only really have two resources at our disposal. We've got the money that the government gives us every year to run the railway, and we've got our people. Mm. So our focus is is on ensuring that, that, that we've got the right amount of money and the right level of funding to operate what it is that we need to operate every day. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time we focus on our people. And if we're not creating an environment where we're getting the best out of our people, then we won't get the best out of V-Line. It's as simple as that for me. So there's a lot of focus on process, procedures. If you was in Japan, they would talk about the rules. But they really, those three things, finances, process and people form our one side of the railway triangle, if you like. Yes. We then spent a lot of time understanding what the the system capability was in terms of the infrastructure and and, and the other resources, like the rolling stock, for example, the other assets. And then it's just a, a matter of maintaining the balance of the triangle, what I call the railway triangle, making sure that the system requirements, the timetable, how many services we're operating, how many people, is balanced with the system capability and the capability of the organisation. And if we strike that balance, we end up with a a safe, high-performing, reliable railway system. If we get that balance wrong, we're trying to get too much out of our system or we're not investing enough in our assets or in our people, then inevitably you end up with a poor railway. So we do focus on the basics, whilst we keep one eye on the future. And the eye on the future for us is is to make sure that as Melbourne and in particular in our case, regional Victoria is growing, that we are in good shape to support that growth because 
we had a lot more value than just a transport provider. We had a huge amount of economic value to the whole state of Victoria by connecting these communities and making sure that we're, we're keeping the, the whole show moving. I'm interested in actually, if you don't mind, talking a little bit more about the people, processes, and money. Yeah. Let's talk about people first. What are you doing in that area to get the most out of your people and to, and to you know, empower them, et cetera? In the first instance, it's about having the right people in the organization. Okay. And so for me, coming into this role two years ago, there are already some fantastic people in V-Line. And it's about making sure that as I created the executive team and the team below the executive team and the team below that team, that as I'm bringing resources in, I'm striking the right balance between bringing in new resources and right. you know improving the DNA, if you like, yes. for, for the want of a better expression, but also giving the people in the organisation already the opportunities to progress through the organisation. And in some cases, it's been a simple matter of taking a square peg that was in a round hole and putting them in a square hole yeah. instead. And yeah. suddenly you see this person who, who may have been feeling a little bit demotivated because they're in the wrong role with a whole new lease of life because yes. you've put them in the right role. Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah. railways, for me, are all about people. And that leadership role for me was about creating, again, creating that environment where people can be their best. So you like team building, building the yep. right team, yeah. And do you communicate with them on a regular basis, your vision, and they buy into it? Yeah, we, we have, a, we have a, a, a whole raft of different communication platforms that we use. We've got a weekly newsletter that goes out. We've got a, a, a quarterly senior managers leadership forum that we, that we organise. We've got a VRAP that goes out once a month electronically. We've, we use things like Yammer. I find, from, from my perspective, that the, the most valuable communication opportunity that I get is when I go out and about in the business and talk to people face-to-face. Go out in the field, so to speak. Yeah, and myself and each of my executives will spend at least one day a week doing that. So oh, yesterday good. I was out on the Gippsland Corridor. Why did I choose Gippsland? Well, a couple of weeks ago we had some, some fairly major bushfires move through the region. So it's a matter of me going out and making sure that people are okay, connecting with people, making them aware that somebody in head office is even interested yeah. that they're still okay. We also reinstated some long service award type evenings that, that a few years ago were pushed to one side, shall we say. Um, we have monthly staff recognition events. So we'll invite people to head office and these are people that can be nominated by anybody right across the organisation. So peer can nominate peer for just doing, going above and beyond. So we'll hear some fantastic stories about people out in the field, whether it's helping someone that was thinking about jumping in front of a train to one extreme or delivering some project that makes customer satisfaction scores go up in a certain area. Right across the piece. And what's really great about that for me is not only is it people recognising their colleagues that have gone above and beyond, but it also gives me an opportunity to invite those people into head office so that people that work in head office 
get to recognise that there there is a railway out there. Yeah. <laughs> because quite often, <laughs> that's great. Sitting in a in a head yeah. office, you can forget. That's right. Um, when you know when you're you're dealing with payroll or you're dealing with finance or procurement or HR kind of type of disciplines. So it's fantastic. It's gone down really well. That's awesome, James. Yeah. I keep I keep saying to people. We won't stop doing it until the recognitions dry up and each month there's more and more and more and more. We started off with three or four a month and now we're up to sort of 12, 15 a month and, and what, it's great. What do you give them if they're recognised? Just, just recognition? Recognition. Yes. Well done. That's what Napoleon Thanks, said, they get, right? They get to stand next to the CEO, yeah. shake his hand. Yeah. Somebody will read out a, a, a nice little message yes. that, that reflects what they've, what they've do you done. Do you do that in front of their peers? or yeah, yeah. in front of everyone. That's great. Anyone can come along and then we'll have a cup of tea and a bit of cake and <laughs> all go back to work afterwards. That's but great. these things, we laugh and we joke about it now, but they're really powerful. They and, are. you know, some of the stories that I hear, even when I spend a lot of time out and about, I'll never, never fail to be surprised about some of the stories I hear from our staff about the stuff they're getting up to yeah. day in, day out. So it's a, it's a great story. Now, how about the money? How are you funded? What's your fare box recovery ratio, those kind of things? From a funding perspective, we are completely funded by the state. Okay. Um, we don't actually get the fare box. It's slightly complicated here because everything um, fare box-wise goes through to the PTV. There is a fare oh, box okay. allocation, but it... It's not something that necessarily reflects either the number of services we provide or the number of passengers that we carry. So our funding comes from the government. It is, is it uh, mostly the state government, Victoria? Yes, yeah, all, all, oh, the, all okay. of the state government. So we will make a budget submission each year based around a four-year forecast, and each year we will refresh that forecast. Does um, the federal government provide any kind of capital funding or anything? So some of the major projects, some of the major big build projects that are going on in Victoria are being funded by the federal government, but typically the funding is allocated by the state. Okay. Yeah. So That's what the Prime Minister was doing here yesterday? The Prime Minister was down here yesterday with the Premier of Victoria talking about the, the new airport railway link that they're going to build. Yeah, so that, that, that's a good example of where the state and the, the federal government are combining their resources to build and would that be MTM's project or yours? or Well, yet to be determined. Some of these big projects are delivered uh, as PPPs. Others yeah. are delivered directly by oh, I see. Um, yeah. the state mm-hmm. and, and some of the states. And we are part of some of these alliances that deliver some of these projects in some examples. And Metro or MTM work in partnership with some of these alliances to build some of the other projects. It's a real mixture of different frameworks, I guess, when it it comes to these major programs of work. But the bottom line is, at the moment, um, there's probably over $50 billion being invested in in transport. If you include things like the Westgate Tunnel, which is a road project, and Melbourne Metro, and the Airport Link, and Regional Rail Revival that I've already mentioned, Level Crossing Removal Program, there's billions and billions of dollars being invested. And for someone like me, going back those 30-odd years, yeah. started out in the railways and railways generally were shrinking to see that they're now growing and thriving almost in like a renaissance of railways right around the world, but particularly it is the case in Victoria. It's fantastic. But it comes with its own challenges, making sure that we 
primarily keep people moving whilst we're rebuilding the infrastructure is a challenge. And wouldn't it be terrible if 10, 15 years down the line, having invested all this money, we were sitting there thinking, if only we'd have done this instead, or if only we'd done this as well. It's a real responsibility, but at, at the same time, it's, uh, it's very exciting. What's next on your plate for expanding and moving forward? Our focus currently at V-Line is about improving in, in the basics around safety, performance, operational excellence, customer satisfaction, and coming right back to, to why we exist. It's easy to, to, to get a little bit carried away in the current environment where all of this exciting stuff is going on. We have to remind ourselves that our role in life is to operate the railway and the coach services, not yes. the buses, <laughs> and maintain the infrastructure. So doing that well every day and doing it better tomorrow than we did it today and better again than we did it yesterday is our challenge. And I'll often say to people, railways are very, very complicated systems and they require thousands of things to happen in order each day for them to work effectively. And the prize you get for doing that really well today is you get to do it all again tomorrow and all again the day after. And it's like that, and it's relentless, but at this moment in time, it's exciting, and certainly building the capability of V-Line through its people will continue to be our focus going forward. So since you had the responsibility of maintenance of your railways, etc., I just, as we mentioned beforehand, I just finished speaking to a group of asset managers yep. from Victoria here, all, all the different operations. And so tell us about your efforts there, because that's something that resonates throughout the world. Is In America, we call it state of good repair. Other places, yep. it's you know ISO 55,000. What are you doing to maintain all those rail assets, your vehicles, uh, the linear assets, et cetera? We are in the process of going through an accreditation process for ISO 55001 as well. Oh, okay. But more practically, in the two years that I've been here, I can tell you, for example, that when I first started here, there were 55 kilometres, I think, of speed restrictions <laughs> on the network, which essentially is the railway's way yes. <laughs> of staying safe right. when there's defects on the infrastructure. Now we have four. Wonderful. kilometers yeah. so i know that just from over that 90%. assessment that we've improved things like upgrading level crossings installing axle counters things like making sure that we manage creep on the railway so that we don't have to slow trains down as much when it gets hot and it does get hot here trust me and all of those kind of measures they're all headed in the right direction are we done yet no we're not but what we do know from the work that we've done in improving both our linear assets and through Bombardier, the uh, reliability of the rolling stock assets, yeah. we are seeing our performance steadily improve. Now, we're not shooting the lights out. You don't change the operational DNA and the operational performance of a railway overnight unless you change something significant or unless you... You changed the way you measure the numbers, shall we say. Right. But what I do know is that V9, as I said to you earlier on, is growing at a rate of about 10% a year. So we're carrying more and more passengers, we're running more and more trains. 10%. And in that context, yeah. in that context, we are getting more reliable. Now, really? When I spoke earlier on about balancing that triangle, we're asking for more and more out of our system 
and our system is coming more and more reliable. So I know that we must be doing the right thing with our assets because if we weren't doing the right thing with our assets, then our infrastructure would not be as reliable and our performance figures would be going in the opposite direction. Is there a lot more to do? Yes, there is. Always right. more to do. There's, you're never done. How are you able to keep up on the amount of train operators, et cetera, that you need if you're growing 10% a year? Well, it's phenomenal right now, Paul. We've got over, uh, I think um, I went along to see the latest intake of drivers, trainee drivers last Wednesday, and that took us to over 120 train drivers in training wow. right now. Wow. Now, we have got... How long uh, is your training program? It, it varies. Okay. It varies between um, people that, that may have previous experience oh. driving in other companies right. where right. it can be as quick as 20 weeks. Um, to people that have never driven a train before, having to learn uh, a network, as I said earlier on, that's the size of the United Kingdom. <laughs> it can take 70 odd weeks. 70 so weeks. Wow. To learn those yes. kind of, if you have to learn the entire network. And you're unionized, I'm sure? Of course. Yeah. Uh, and we work very closely, and we've got, oh, I wouldn't describe our relationship with the trade unions as being overly friendly, and, but we have a, a functional yes. relationship with the unions, and we'll continue to do that. And over time, that relationship will get better and better. I've got no doubt about that. But to come back to the training piece, you know, yes. we, we have got record numbers of not only drivers, but signal maintenance technicians. We've got mm. 18 apprentices we took on last year. That's the largest intake of apprentices that we've taken since our records began, let alone in recent times. So we're doing all the right things. We do, in some areas, have an ageing workforce. So like other parts of the world, a number of years ago, government here decided that the, the compulsory retirement age was no longer a thing. So people like staying at V-Line because it's a great place to work and a great place to be. But nevertheless, our workforce is getting older. So we've got lots of people in training right across the piece. Our driver establishment, to give you an idea, is something like 370. So we've got 370 and over 120 in training. So wow. that's a third again, almost. And we're getting through it. We're growing fast. Tomorrow I'm going across to our driver training centre, which we have recently doubled in size. So we've had to buy the accommodation next door to fit all of our trainees wow. in. We've got our simulators going in down there as well. So it's an exciting time. What We've a great time. I don't know um, any service that's growing 10% a year. I mean, that is well, amazing. We quite often we talk about being, we know that we're Australia's fastest growing railway. We suspect that we're probably, with the exception of some of these brand new railways right, that people right. are opening up, that we're probably one of the fastest growing railways in the world. I, I think you are, yeah. But um, what we also are very keen to point out is that we are also very much Australia's fastest improving railway. There so you go. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to, to keep that improvement rate up with our growth rate because that's very important to, to not only our customers but also to our staff and to our other stakeholders in government in particular. Mm, I love the uh, your approach of the three kind of three-legged stool of, of making this thing all work together. Yeah. If you had to prioritise one or two actions that you're going to take in the next six months to a year, as we close this out, what are your top priorities as it relates to innovation? So, so from, from my perspective, it's perhaps not necessarily an innovation in the traditional sense. But what we're trying to persuade our key stakeholders in both the department and in government is that 
that we probably need to take a slightly longer-term view of E-Line. So if, for example, we had a longer-term funding model, we would be able to make slightly different decisions with what we invest our money in. So, for example, just one example, rather than renting a track recording machine at not insignificant right. amount of yeah. rate of money for per shift, if we were to be given the funds to buy our own in four or five years, it would have paid for itself. So it's, yeah. it's, it's just good general financial management, kind of trying to in, install that kind of philosophy for V-Line, whereas traditionally we've got a government that's been very supportive of V-Line, done some great work for V-Line over the last few years, trying to encourage people to take a, a slightly longer-term view. Everybody knows it makes sense, but you know, at the same time, we're in the public sector, so we're competing with other people that, that also have, have very good cause for asking for more money. But we know that we can do even more in the future, and, and frankly, at the rate that we're growing, we need to do even more. And um, at the moment, and up to now, we've had a, a, a lot of support from uh, the people that... That, that need to support us the most, and, and we hope that that continue. Yeah, well, I can see why they've got a man like you in charge. You've got a good, rational plan for accelerating growth, but maintaining the quality of the service, focused on people, which is key for me, yeah. as well as the processes and the financing. James Pinder, thank you so much for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.